0: Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, and we are recording today here in Amiskwichiwa, Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta. Joining us today is Omar Salafu. He's one of the people behind Is This For Real, a tremendous podcast uh, that you should really listen to if you haven't already. Uh, Think of it like uh, Crackdown, that great podcast by Garth Mullins, but it's on policing and uh, living as a black person in Edmonton. It has great interviews, thoughtful production. It's just um, a really good show, really good journalism. Uh, We had Omar in the studio to talk about the Edmonton Police Service's uh, very strange militarized hardware show-and-tell that they just had. Uh, we also talk about, you know, generally just how poorly the media covers the police here in Edmonton and Alberta, as well as uh, the UCP and Casey Maddo's upcoming review of the Police Act. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to thank all of the 250 or so donors that we do have. Um, we could not do this show. We could not uh, do the reporting that we do on the ProgressReport.ca without uh, your financial support. Uh, independent, effective media is hard work. It's hard to do. And our patrons are key to allowing us to continue to show up to work every day and put out this podcast and put out the stories that we do put up on the progress report.ca. So uh, if you'd like to support us and you want to see and hear more work like this, please go to the progress report.ca slash patrons and put in your credit card and become a monthly donor, you know, five, ten, fifteen $15 a month, whatever you can spare. Uh, it really does help us. And with that out of the way, Let's get to Omar. We're here to chat. Me, Duncan Kinney, Omar Salafu of Is This For Real. It's, um, you know, uh, I just went and to an event that uh, really kind of messed me up, actually. I, as I was driving to this event, I was listening to, also to Danielle Smith of Calgary Talk Radio fame talk about the evils of rising communism. So I got, not only did I go into this event, which was just wall-to-wall military police hardware but also um, Daniel Smith talking about rising communism, which, which really was
1: not the proper set and setting to go to this event. But I, 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 I have to respond to that or at <laughs> least say that, 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 that quote is, what do what was the context? She was just saying communists are winning now. Is there more she, communism in the world? She was, interview- they haven't murdered enough communists. She was
0: interviewing some, uh, like, um, conservative hack, former Herald uh, opinion editor, journalist about the rise of communism. And, uh, and I mean, the example she kept coming back to was like the liberals are, are, are trial ballooning, uh, universal basic income right now. And, and UBI is communism according to her. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was painful to listen to. And then, and then I went to this extremely bizarre event the other day, which was essentially, uh, they called it a show and tell. Edmonton police called it a show and tell of their specialized equipment. What it essentially was, was a way to show off all of their, uh, uh, new military hardware military style hardware that they have recently purchased and it was um it was wild i mean the star of the show is obviously i mean the tank quote unquote tank the new armored vehicle uh called the black wolf ominously uh this is a five hundred thousand dollar armored vehicle uh it can stop the armor on this thing can stop 50 caliber bullets so that's cool. And I assume that happens a lot here in Edmonton, that fifty caliber bullets are flying around. <sighs> and, uh, and that was on display, and they kind of talked about uh, that. And then they also had their new mobile command center on display, another $370,000 purchase, which I wasn't super interested, to be honest. Um, it's just essentially a big truck trailer. Um, they also showed off their drone fleet. Uh, I didn't know that the city of Edmonton had 10 drones, uh, with one more on the way. Um, the biggest of these drones is about the size of like a toaster oven. So, so,
1: so what, what is the intended purpose when you're there? What do they say all this, you know, advanced military technology is, is needed for? What do they say this is, you know, useful for?
0: It's to keep the officers safe. I mean, that's, it's, it's always comes back to the officer safety and like maintaining their distance is kind of how they frame it as well. Like that's why they have the armored vehicle, the drones or a lot of the, a lot of the use cases of the drones that they talked about were essentially like it essentially replacing the like bomb robot, the, like the little robot on wheels that they use. So they can just send a robot in or send a drone in instead of a robot to go check something out. Um, I mean, the like sniper rifles and the, the assault rifles and, or carbines and the like crowd control like less lethal weapons they were just showing them off like i don't understand i mean that was the other thing is that they weren't just showing off their new tank they were showing off essentially everything it's
1: it's unfortunate that i think violence at that level is glorified in a sense and i feel like people do kind of embrace these weapons as good things you know and it's really sad because you know, guns, tanks, all these things. The only purpose that they have is to kill human beings. That's it. These things are human killing machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they are. <laughs> so why are we celebrating the police buying more human killing machines? Well, I don't understand where the logic lies in there, but someone has to explain it to me. It was a wild press event to attend because
0: not only are they are they showing all these things off proudly, which again, kind of weird to me, but, but also to do it like now in like September 2020, like a few months after the murder of George Floyd, after 15,000 people in the streets in Edmonton that demanding change when it came to policing, this was essentially a big middle finger to just like, fuck you, nothing will change. Nothing is going to change. We are still the police. We are still going to do whatever it is we want to do with the money that we get from you, right? Like one thing that we go over in our story, right, is exactly how the money works on this. And there is no one knew about this. No, one, no one knew about this new armored vehicle, right? Like there are quotes from Don Ivesons blasting it, right? Calling it tone deaf. Like the mayor of Edmonton did not know that his own police force was buying a
1: half a million dollar armored vehicle. That's, I think that is a failure in some kind of governance. I don't understand how you can claim to be for good governance and for, you know, active participation in democracy. Yet we have so much smoke and mirrors. Nobody knows what's going on. Even the mayor doesn't know what's going on. So how can we trust our officials to do a good job for us if they don't even know that the police are buying, you know, half a million dollar tanks and, you know, assault rifles and all of this is happening in the wake of people finally realizing that, you know, the police kill people every day, every week, and they get away with it. Well, and, Nothing and, happens to and them. Just disproportionately, you know, black and brown faces as well.
0: Right. Like, I mean, what, the quote that we pull out in our story is uh, from counselor Scott McKean, who was a police commissioner at the time when the, uh, the armored vehicle was purchased. And he straight up told the CBC that he did not remember the discussion about the armored vehicle when it was originally proposed. And then so, he did
1: not remember okay. that when it was approved. Okay. So I'm going to lay it out for everyone. So, Basically, I think this is just a case of the police being a complete low priority for politicians. I think politicians have given the police a blank check and have said, do whatever you want and we'll give you money for it. And now for the first time in a long, long time, not to say that people haven't been challenging and fighting against the police for hundreds of years. Bashir is a perfect example of someone who's been fighting against the police for a very, very long time. But I think now that people are waking up and realizing what's going on, I think it's a case of just, I don't know, it's, it's weird. People, people don't know how to handle this because there's been so much just unaccountable police officers for, for for years and years and years and years and years. The entire institution, right, has not
0: faced significant pushback from civil society, it has not faced significant pushback from city council or its police commission. And and at Shurish it sure as shit hasn't faced significant pushback from the media, right? So God,
1: no, 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 no,
0: no. So uh, when you have you know fifteen thousand in the people fifteen thousand people in the streets demanding change when there's you know people demanding to defund or abolish the police in city council chambers like making the case uh, I I don't think they know how to respond and I think. That one of the ways they have chosen to respond is by essentially saying, yeah, we bought a tank and uh, here's all our other military style like toys that we also have. Like, you know what I mean? It is it is a it is a curious decision, though. I do kind of understand it when you kind of see how the police approach the world. Right.
1: Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. And I think it's important to state that, you know, this is all it was all built this way and it's all very intentional The police are intentionally here to make, you know, black people and indigenous people's lives miserable and homeless people or houseless people's lives miserable. That's their purpose. And they're there to protect, you know, rich people and the elite. That's their purpose. So I think when you approach trying to solve this problem, I think you have to look at what the actual problem is. And then look for a solution because if the police are purpose built to destroy communities and, you know, have a blank check to do so, because if the police kills you, you get, they, they don't face any consequences. Yeah. You, your life is collateral for their existence. You know, there's so many stories of people getting caught in the crossfire of police misconduct. And just no consequences. There's no, it does just shoulder shrug. Shoulders shot. 30 hours of uh docked pay. Yeah. If the police are racist, if the police in Edmonton, I say if, as if this didn't happen, it did. But if they put up a poster with, you know, a racist caricature of a black person, you know, in their locker room, you know, very proudly on their lockers, you know, we are proud racists, you know, who knows who works in the canine unit, you know, who knows who are the people who are around this. I can't even imagine what I would feel like if I walked into my workplace and one of my coworkers had a poster on his locker with a depiction of me, a racist depiction of me in some kind of tribal dress with a dog, you know, being told to attack me, you know, it's a threat. It's insulting. Like there's so many layers to this, but you know, what's the consequence what do they say, like uh, community service or 20 hours of, you know, reconciliation or something like that? You I think know? it's still being looked at that particular case. But, yeah, I mean, the,
0: the the consequences are almost always, you know, not even worth discussing. I mean, you mentioned unhoused folks a, a little while back. I think it's worth coming back to that because there was a an anecdote that the like the drone cop, like the, the officer who was responsible for managing the drones. There's an anecdote that the drone cop dropped in the middle of this presentation about how. Uh, they have drones that they can mount uh, loudspeakers and spotlights to. And he talked about how in another jurisdiction that use these same drones, they use that drone with the mount with the loudspeaker and the spotlight on it to find a hard-to-get-to homeless encampment and to use it to like yell or you know, use the loudspeaker to tell them to get out. <laughs> when I heard that, I like I couldn't believe it. I asked a couple of clarifying questions, like, did this, this happen here?
1: Wow. This
0: happened. No, he says, No, it's happening in another jurisdiction. I was like Okay, like, why why would you think that would be a good example of of a thing to tell us about when it comes to the, like, functionality they of the drones? To,
1: I think that's because they want to do that in the River Valley in Edmonton. Oh, they that's definitely do. They pro- that's, this is all part of their big plan. And the saddest part is that, like, like, this is the solution. Like, these people have nowhere to live, so they go to the place that is seemingly the safest, you know, this forest in the middle of our city. And now the police... Because obviously they need something to do. They're just yeah. We need to get these people out of here. We need to you know round them up, yell at them using a drone in the sky. (laughs) That's some like that's some dystopic (laughs) science fiction shit. Like Like what?
0: Imagine like you're a homeless person. You're you're going through some tough times. You're sleeping rough in the river valley, and you wake up and it's six a.m. in the morning, and there's a drone hovering over top of you, beaming a light onto you, telling you to disperse.
1: And and you know what the best part about all of this is, we paid for it. Yeah. You know, we paid for it. You know, if you own a house, if you pay any taxes in this city, even in this province, you have fully funded the sky drone to harass this fuck, this homeless person, basically this houseless person. Um, and the police are having a parade to show off the nice shiny toys that you paid for. This society is amazing. <laughs> this is a great place to live. <laughs> and the, the funding of all
0: this, we get this in, into this into our article. But like the funding of this, there's just there's simply no accountability. Like I can think of no other municipal department where, uh, in this case, the city, uh, the Edmonton Police Force, asked for 6.8 million dollars over a four year period for specialized police equipment. And they don't say what that specialized police equipment is or what it will do they just say give us 6.8 million dollars for specialized police equipment and then we saw what they bought you know in their event in the event they held the other day uh, but there's literally like nothing in the capital profile asks that says what
1: they'll be buying this this is the saddest part is that this is all always spun by the police as you know if you're against military spending then you're against police officer safety But, you know, what they don't realize is that I want all police officers to be safe and sound at home, you know, not on the streets surveilling people. If you want to be safe, don't surveil people on the streets like you do and find ways to, you know, yeah, like round up homeless people or, you know, card people slash, on the street.
0: Slash their tens
1: Yeah, and... like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. This logic that the police have to do these things to us doesn't make any sense. If they stayed at home or they decided to, you know, do something different. Play solitaire all day. Yeah. That would be fine. You know, <laughs> I don't think you'd be in any danger if you stayed in the police quarter and the other argument that they'll say is well then crime will be rampant you know everyone will be a criminal and you know it's going to be armageddon but it's just like you had that little faith in your community that you think if we don't have 24-7 police officers, then we're all going to kill each other. That's a really sad thing to say about ourselves. Like, it's really wild. And police don't prevent crime. Police investigate crime, often quite poorly, especially if it involves a black or a brown person or a poor person, right? It doesn't make any sense. Just look at the numbers. Crime goes down, but police budgets go up. Yeah. How does that make any sense? And the police will say that crime is actually going up, yeah. but it all becomes a game of semantics. It becomes a numbers game where it's like, oh, we're, or whose numbers are we using? Are we using your definition or my definition? You know, and that's the problem. We can't even move past, you know, whose definition is right. We have to kind of get bogged down in that. And the real issue isn't being addressed. Like at the municipal
0: government level, which again we have to remember that the Edmonton Police Service is funded primarily by municipal taxes and and is a is a creature of the municipal of the, of the city of Edmonton. I can think of no other city department that would just get six point eight million dollars given to it, and then they would just never have to account for what they spent that <laughs> money on. You
1: know, this what I mean? is, yeah, that's another very very good point. That, Imagine that's... how mad people would be. If the government just said, if the city of Edmonton government, Don Iverson said, I'm going to give $6 million to teachers in Edmonton. And we're not going to tell you how they're going to use that money. It's just theirs. It's theirs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's literally the only other equivalent there is like spy shit, like national defense, like top yeah. secret. Like there's, there's the, the, the only equivalent of like of a, of a group that gets public funding that like literally never has to tell you what they're doing with their money is like that, like high level top secret bullshit. And like, sorry, like the Edmonton police are not doing that work. And, uh, and, uh, it is, it is absolutely wild. Like the Edmonton police service does receive, 373 million dollars from the city of edmonton it's the single largest line item uh in their budget i mean i i discount the the edmonton uh city council kind of combines a couple of factors to have one that's slightly larger than that but it's bullshit um and it, it is uh it is wild especially when you look at what the community has been calling for right like Black Lives Matter Edmonton has their defund the police action plan. And it very clearly called for like more public and low-income housing, like, you know, free transit, uh, things like um, a better and more safe consumption sites, which are under attack right now by this provincial government, right? On top of defunding the police. Like it's very clear that I think we've, we've come across uh, a very strong rhetorical thing that like even regular normie white people are starting to understand, like, oh, yeah, like we just spend huge amounts of
1: money on policing and that like the police don't actually stop yeah. crime. <laughs> who, who does it help? You yeah. know, if you support the police, ask yourself, when was the last time you called the police? Yeah, my car got stolen, but yeah. So your car got stolen and you would call the police. Of course. I think, I think that's... I right think it's in paperwork. I think that's the majority of times. Like I almost called the police. Almost I didn't do it when my car got broken into mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, all my stuff is missing. But it was like, you know, a pair of headphones and like, you know, my little book bag, whatever. So I didn't really think it was something that I cared enough about to, you know, get the cops involved. But I think the narrative that's spun is that, you know, people need the police because we're all dealing with violent crisis all the time. And, you know, who will save us from violent crisis It is the police But how many people do you know that have been in violent crisis and even the ones who have been in those situations when the police showed up, did they actually solve the problem or did they make it worse? Because I know a lot of stories about violent crisis, especially in the mental health area where people are going through, you know, panic attacks. They're going through, you know, manic episodes. They're really in distress because of their mental health condition and the police show up and they make the situation infinitely worse because they add a lot of aggression and they escalate things. And there's so many situations where this happens, you know, don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. If you don't believe me, There are in, there's case after case of this happening. Yeah. And uh, it, I, it
0: was even a lucky thing that I even got to go to this, uh, uh, you know, specialized police equipment show and tell because I didn't end up in i didn't end up getting the um i didn't end up getting the uh the invite uh i have uh, i don't know if people have been paying attention to our twitter account but uh the progress report uh, has been going through a bit of a issue with the edmonton police service over this course of the summer they didn't consider us media i'm putting that in quote unquote uh, i'm putting that in scare quotes here in the studio like uh we uh, were in the course of doing our work and writing stories about the uh, the edmonton police service we were sending in questions to the police. We were uh, dealing with the EPS media relations unit and we had gotten, uh, I think one reply to a question for the story that we did actually on bad SROs and a bunch of the other times they just never got back to us. And then, and, and that's fine, whatever. I mean, I don't, I'm not writing a story where I need the police to comment in order to write the story. Like, God forbid I ever do that kind of journalism, but uh, you just write, you know, Edmonton police refused to comment or whatever. But then I sent in a request for a couple of very like humdrum things uh i think i wanted to know the locations of the closed circuit television cameras and a cctv pilot that the edmonton uh, police had announced and i wanted to know the status of like a hate crime investigation and i got an email back from someone with the media relations unit saying uh, we don't consider you a media relations we don't consider you media get fucked essentially uh you can anything you, any further correspondence between you and us can go through the foip uh, unit <laughs> and i was like hold on wait a second <laughs> You're shaking your head. Are you if, for, for all the people who can't see. Uh, yeah, shaking I'm shaking his head my right. head. <laughs> and uh, and so okay, uh, we ended up escalating this to the point where we were dealing with the lawyer for the uh, Edmonton Police Service, and he was like, uh, "Send in an, an an application, a submission to be considered a media organization." And and we did it. Like we ended up, actually ended up running it by Avnish uh, before we submitted it, and uh, we ended up meeting with the chief and was like. What the hell? What's going on here? And eventually, it got taken care of. We are considered media now. We're on their like email list. Uh, they will respond to requests as much as they respond to anyone's requests. I don't know how much luck you've had uh, dealing uh, with the media relations. They, they don't like talking to anyone.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Anyone like, ever? Mm-hmm.
0: Especially <laughs> the work that like you and I do, which is not the, your usual yeah. kind of stenographic
1: journalism. Yeah, we're not. We're not just gonna take their word for it. We're gonna ask them questions, and I don't think they like answering questions. But we, so we did end up, uh, funnily enough,
0: it was the folks at Alberta Advantage who I think sent us, I can't remember, someone sent us a DM telling us about this event. And I was like, oh, yeah, I would like to go to that event. Weird I didn't get the email. And I followed up with the media relations unit. Uh, and they're like, oh, damn, I, I swore I said to the it people that you should, you should be on the email list. I was like, I don't sure, whatever, whatever you say, uh, just, I just let you know that I'm going to be there. And if you could please get me on the email list in the future, I, that would really appreciate it. Uh, dear listeners, I am getting those emails from the, uh, from the uh, Edmonton police service now. Um, fine. I mean, I'm, I, I, as I expect every media organization gets, you just get get your, your kind of daily churn of, of, of Edmonton police sending out stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it was, I ended up going to this event and it was, again, still absolutely wild and bizarre that it happened in the first place that they think that like people aren't going to react to this huge
1: (laughs) like parading of military hardware. I think that's just how bad things are here. It's Mm -hmm. just that like, really, that is the culture of, of this province. And, And, and I think it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people would disagree with me and say, you know, no, we're actually very tolerant. no. We actually, you know, really accept everyone and we're nonviolent and all these things. But I think that things like that can't happen if people think it's okay. And I think people really think that's okay. I don't think anyone has a problem with that other than us, obviously. But we need, there's a lot of people who do. And I think those people need to speak up if they do. You know, if you really think there's a problem with these things, let people know that. Because I think if more of us do that, then maybe these things will stop.
0: Well, and I think both you and uh, like our organizations have audiences. They're small. They're growing. But I think, I mean, I want to know more about what is this for real, the project that you're working for. Like, what what is it doing? What are the, like... What's the ultimate goal here? Like, just maybe just describe the project so people can understand it. I mean, um, I think it's really good. You're three episodes in, four episodes in?
1: We're, yeah, we're like four or five episodes in, yeah.
0: It's a very structured thing, right? Like, you want to have seasons. You want to do, like, these long-form, uh, like, episodes, yeah. like, deep, rich audio. Like, describe what it is for us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a project that came together after George Floyd was murdered. And we just basically wanted to make sure that you know black lives matter it wasn't just you know the small kind of couple months that it basically feels like it has been and i think bashir really knew that this would happen so he really pushed for this project and avnish really did and nicholas came on board to help us and you know now hanan is a co-host with me so i think you know, we also have a board now as well. Ray Cash is our, the chair of our board. Like, um, I think it's it's something that we're all really, you know, I think, proud of doing, just trying to help the community, trying to make sure people understand what's going on. I think um, that's that's kind of what we're doing, you know. So we do these podcasts about, you know, policing and policing has connections to schools it has connections to government it has connections to um a lot of facets of our life but i think also giving black people a chance to just have their voices heard in a meaningful way and which is hard to do in mainstream media because they really enjoy putting black people in the box or just having one specific kind of area that you can kind of be successful in. And um, I think we really want to just have a platform that's open for people to express themselves. Um, yeah.
0: It's a really amazing project. I'm really grateful that it exists and that you are able to find support for it. Um, and, you know, I've really liked the stuff that's come out so far. Like the SRO was really, the SRO episode was really good. And I feel like, uh when you saw like i I think we can take a little bit of credit for the city or the edmonton public school board just not even going to a vote when it came comes to canceling their sro program or or whatever temporarily suspending it while it was under review like your episode on the like police officer who may or may not have had a non-consensual sexual relationship with a student and then our work documenting you know, the, the the several different officers who uh, were involved in police misconduct and brutality cases and still continue to be SROs. Um, I think they just wanted to get out ahead of it and canceled the the school resource officer program before even they had the trustees voting on it. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think they saw the but, writing on the wall. Yeah, and I, I think this is, this is what <clears throat> we're trying to do. Not necessarily more of what we did, but making change in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and making sure that these things change. I think that's what we're all looking for, really. Yeah, like like the media. I, I'm not
0: interested in being the Globe and Mail. You know, I'm not interested in being CBC. Even, I mean, I we have I have very clear political goals that I would like to achieve, both personally and professionally. And uh, I well, I hope that's very clear in the content that we produce, and the things we choose to write about, and cho- things that we choose to focus on. And uh, you know, the, the whole like ironically detached view from nowhere, professionally objective journalism only existed because capitalism briefly made newspapers like an incredibly profitable enterprise. Right. And that's not the case anymore.
1: And I think that's something I definitely had a hard time coming around to because I think I was definitely a little bit caught up in the kind of, you know, really, yeah, objective top down. I'm just kind of a stenographer view of doing journalism. But I think now I realize that, um, yeah that that only was created to serve the purpose of making sure that media are the only you know legitimate source or legitimate voice. Um, you know, by creating ideas like that, you can discredit anyone else. It and serves the rich that, and powerful. Exactly, right? yeah. and, and media has always been an outlet for the rich and the powerful to just. Tell the world what they should think. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Here are the opinions that are acceptable. Here are the opinions that are unacceptable. Here's what Here's what you need to know about. To exactly. About yeah. And yeah. we decide that. And, and you know, if you question our authority in deciding that, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. We know what we're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And And if you don't have the authority or the stamp of approval, then you're kind of hooped. You know, your opinion doesn't really matter. So I think that's why these ideas exist. It's to protect capitalism, it's to protect um all these white industries. Supremacy, yeah. yeah, to protect white supremacy. And and it took me a hard time it took me a long time to get to the point where I think I just decided that it's it's easier to just say what these things are and and make it clear that you don't want to be what, you know, other media are, you know, Mm. with all that, with all that that.
0: being said, though, we, we are still professional journalists, right? Like, we are are still, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, we still have values that we hold. We're still doing our very best to accurately and truthfully tell stories, um, you know what I mean? I think people get caught up and it's like, oh, you're not objective. It's like, no one's fucking objective. No one is. But, <laughs> but, 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 but are you making, are you making an honest effort to tell the truth? Are you making an honest effort to talk to people to get both sides of the story? Are you giving them an opportunity to comment? Are you, gen- are you following the generally accepted standards and values and ethics of journalism? Which both of us are, right? And, and that's why it's been uh, hilarious for us uh, personally to have to go through the issue that we went with, with the government of Alberta when they didn't consider us a media organization issue we've gone through with um you know the the edmonton police service who didn't consider us a media organization like i assume we're gonna have to do this a half a dozen more times until people finally get it through um your head their head that like you don't get to decide as a powerful institution who is media and who isn't like we're gonna write our story anyway um but like you can, you can decide that to like restrict our rights or not is really up to you. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I think that I really admire the work that you do and, and other, you know, uh, I guess uh, progressive media organizations do. I, I appreciate it because it, not only is it challenging the status quo, um, but yeah, it sets a new precedent, um, which is, which is really good yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely.
0: And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is hard. It is also one thing I also want to tell people is that it is hard fucking work. (laughs) You know, you're, 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 there are no like, uh, there's no back, there's no like net to catch you. There's no like institutional backdrop, um, that you can go to. You are essentially like blazing a trail. You're starting a new organization. You're starting from scratch. And there's very little precedent to go off of when it comes to like successful, independent, say uh, black run, you know, media organizations that cover policing in a region, or in my case, like a, like an explicitly like left-wing independent media project. Um, there just isn't a lot of, of those things that like continue to exist and have success over many years. And Progress Alberta, I mean, it's five, five years in January now. Uh, we haven't always been so, as focused as as on media production, investigative journalism, as we are now,
1: but I mean that's where we're headed, right? So, and I think it's important to stick around, you know, and and even if things change, that these things just kind of keep going because that's how institutions become more powerful is they have staying power, and I think that the reason why. A lot of these places are respected is because they have been around for a long time so if these projects can stick around for for just as long i think people will start to you know value them a little bit more and um yeah treat them with the respect that i think the work deserves you know because yeah like you said we're we're really working hard to make sure that um people you know get the full picture of what's going on um in their community
0: what we're trying to say, folks, is support local independent media, especially if it's me or Omar. <laughs>
1: yeah, support us. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, Duncan
0: is right. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'll, I mean, you'll get a chance to throw to your Patreon at the end. But uh, there's one other thing uh, that I that is in the news that I don't think has actually gotten a lot of coverage yet, nor has the... Has anyone really kind of cottoned on to the possibilities of how bad or good it could get? Uh, but the provincial government is uh, undergoing a police act review. The police act is finally being reviewed after God knows how long of never being changed. And uh, the lucky person, the person that we are lucky enough to have leading this effort is the newly uh, appointed justice minister, Casey Madu. And Casey Madu has made... Um, some statements about defunding the police about black lives matter <laughs> that, that uh, one would characterize as, uh, inaccurate, um, unhinged. Uh, I don't know. How, how would you uh, describe uh, what's your I, vibe as, yeah, as Casey really, do as justice minister? Yeah,
1: I really have to be careful here because mm-hmm. I really don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. But at the same time, I, I want to make it clear that, um, I, I really don't support Casey Mado, And I think that um, his comments um are very hurtful and and very disrespectful to to the black community and to people who have suffered from police misconduct. Um, And I don't think he has any right to make comments like that you know he might think he does because he's the newly appointed justice minister but i think he should really reflect on the history of policing in edmonton not what the police chief has told him or what police administrators tell him but what actually happened you know in this city because the truth is out there it's not like things are just kind of not happening like, here's a, here's a little quote from Casey Madu. This is to
0: Global Media, September 3rd. The idea that we should take away money from our law enforcement at a time when we actually need them to be strengthened while at the same time dealing with all of those other issues is ridiculous, he said. That is not to say that we should not fund those services, he explained, uh, citing the creation of the Mental Health and Addictions Ministry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyways, he has very unequivocally come out and said that defunding the police is bad. Anyone who does it is bad. I mean, we should take a, a very brief second to point out that he, as as the uh, municipal affairs minister, he did defund the police by like five million dollars or something, like through some provincial granting program. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think I think uh, hypocrisy charges never really get you anywhere with conservatives because they have no shame and they don't care. But it is just worth briefly pointing out that Casey Maddew, uh has defunded the police a little bit uh, already in his work as a government minister. <laughs> But he was also just like off it when he came, when when there was the rally with 15,000 people in Edmonton and he was talking about how the, it was, he got, uh, I think, booted from the speakers list or something. And he was just like, kept going at the NDP. Like it was the NDP's decision to boot him from the like speakers list. He called it like an NDP rally. Like he was really, uh, really, I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it. I
1: feel like it's just, maybe he feels entitled to speak at an event that, is honoring you know black people but i think you have to ask yourself you know why you know why he feels entitled or if he feels entitled because if he does then i don't understand how his comments make sense you know, know, if you can. want to speak at a rally for for Black Lives Matter, I don't know if you can also say that the police should be strengthened and defunding is a stupid idea. So I know you said you wanted to be
0: careful, and, but I'm going to say something that might get you a little mad. So this is also from the Global article. Madhu questions how defunding the police will help with what he calls an upsurge in crime. I'm um, rolling my eyes. The crime has gone down. Quote, many of these communities have high rates of gang activities. He said, mentioning that he has met with leaders from Edmonton's Somali community.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. It's that, that really, can you just say that again? Just the last, this is the second part. I want to hear the second part. Many
0: of these communities have high rates of gang activities. He said, mentioning that he has met with leaders from Edmonton's Somali community.
1: Yeah. I don't know how these people take themselves seriously. You know, you met with people from the Somali community and all you have to say about them is that they have a high rate of gang activity. It's just so sad because it's like, what do you expect? What do you expect is going to happen? You you characterize the Somali community as gang-ridden and then you expect anyone to respect Somali people. You're in the media denigrating black people and at the same time, you want us to invite you to speak at things. It doesn't make any sense. And... Again, I'm going to be very careful <laughs> of what I say, but I just think that it's very disrespectful. It's very hurtful. You know, if you're a Somali kid and you hear the justice minister say that, what are you thinking in your head? You know, but he just thinks that they don't read these news articles. He can talk carelessly like that because he just assumes that, you know, all of these Somali kids are just gang members who can't read or some dumb thing like that. It's just very insulting and, and, and very patronizing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that this that this is the person that is
0: going to be leading the police act review is both um like wild that he was chosen to do this like i mean he failed upwards i don't think i don't think anyone would look at Medu's time in the uh, municipal affairs ministry as a success but now he's now he's in an even more important high profile role uh and he is going to be leading this this police act review which if 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 uh, I mean, not that the NDP necessarily would have done a whole lot on this better because they they started a consultation process and, like, never got anywhere with it. But, like, if we were to change the police act, there's lots of things, even, like, kind of Social Democrats, liberals, like, just, like, bog-standard centrists could agree on is, like, a good thing. Like, like for instance, police should not be investigating themselves. You know what I mean? Like, even, even the police unions are like, yeah, it's a bad look when... <laughs> You
1: know, they're, they're what's investigating. Really interesting. You know, it's really interesting. Mm. I don't know when you're going to release this episode, but um, we're going to include something in our next podcast that basically I think goes to show that like police are saying that now, but that wasn't always the narrative. There's a really good video in 2015 of the the uh, uh, the of the head of ACERT. I don't know what her official title is, but she's, executive director yeah or. executive director of acert in 2015 um there was a couple of shootings i think or there was a serious incident involving a police officer and people were complaining about the fact that acert is compromised because it is full of police officers and essentially this is like a two-minute video on youtube of the you know calgary herald basically letting her have space to just say that you know she fully supports Acer and that Acer is completely objective and that they completely follow any professional standards to not be biased you know when police investigate police but now everyone is saying that you know it's a problem that police are investigating police so it's strange it's just like i think a lot of this stuff when you look at what the actual narrative has been for the past you know, couple of years, before George Floyd and the whole world realized that like, racism is bad, I think there's been you know, a systematic defense of any police action, good or bad. Mm-hmm. but especially bad.
0: I mean, ACERT is, it's is weird because it's ostensibly civilian led. Right. But all the people doing the investigations tend to be seconded cops. Right. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm willing to go and get a one-year diploma and join ACERT and investigate bad cops. I <laughs> will, I will do that work. Um, but, uh, but even like the case, uh, even just a more recent case, like the Jean-Claude Ricundo case, which you've covered on the pod and we've written about on our website You know, this is a case where uh, a man who was just helping his wife who had been in a car accident essentially got assaulted by the cops and he filed a complaint. And the complaint was other Edmonton cops looking into it and saying, nah, nothing to see here. And then the video of the incident gets released like over the course of the summer. And it's brutal. It's, it's very George Floyd-esque. It's like, it's a guy, it's a cop, like putting his knee on the full force on the head and neck of a black man and 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 it's like, oh, yeah, the, the chief signed off on this, and he looked at it, and there was no problem.
1: And yeah, it's, like... it's embarrassing. When you start looking into these cases, it's embarrassing how sloppy their defense is, because their actions are usually indefensible. So what they have to do is cobble together some kind of story to make the victim look like a perpetrator, and then... Just basically go off on that. I know. And in John Claude's
0: case, they said he smelled of alcohol. They said that he assaulted them. But like he, all of
1: his charges were dropped. He was released. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense for anyone who's actually looking at it critically. And I think that's the problem. No one has looked at it critically. Everyone just gives the police a pass. Everyone's like, no, the officer was completely right. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. Uh,
0: I mean, another opportunity when I when I look to the NDP here. I mean, this Police Act review. Uh, you know this whole um, defund the police narrative. There are opportunities for you here, uh, and one where I would argue it's very easy to step in, and and do some good on this police act review, is to simply have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence by cops. If you are a cop who has any type of domestic violence inc- incident, it's
1: it's and and it's proven to be true, you're fucking out. You don't get to be a cop anymore. But this is the problem is that they don't have any zero tolerance policies. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be okay, you know? And and I think that it's time for the police to start enacting those kind of policies, you know, and taking it seriously. Because mm-hmm. if you actually take your job seriously and you claim to be doing community policing, how is that, you know, also attached to no consequences when cops do really bad things like when you have the exclusive state sanctioned right to use violence as a
0: police officer and then you are found to have been beaten beating your partner in a domestic violence there's just no way you should be able to have a gun on your hip and that you should be able to go out into the world and into society and be able to do similar things to members of the public like it is a it is a huge huge red flag and it is a very easy win to just say hey look uh cops uh, any any domestic violence ever sorry Uh, You're going to have to find another line of work. You can be a security guard, I guess, you know, like no $100,000 a year and a cop union for you, you know, nope,
1: you don't get that. Uh,
0: Another thing that I, that I kind of want to put on the table, and maybe this is a future op-ed, I might be giving away my editorial calendar here, uh, but is the idea of disarming the police. And I don't think anyone has really taken this uh, out into the public yet, but uh, I see no reasonable, justifiable reason, like why Cops yeah. constantly I have a constantly agree. have a sidearm. On their I completely hips. agree. I completely
1: agree. Let's disarm this police. People will make think this is radical. This is the problem. This is we've gone so far up the ladder of you know militarized violence being normalized. So now, when you say things like this, people think you're 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 wild, but it's not wild. There's a whole country that has police without guns. You know what it's called? The UK. Yeah, it's my, Britain, my, my <laughs> homeland, my ancestors. <laughs> the people who colonized this Fun, land. <laughs> funny hats
0: and nightsticks. That's all they get,
1: right? Uh. They don't get guns, you yeah. know, and, you know, the UK has its problems. Of course it does. <laughs> no, of course, what country on this planet doesn't have its problems? Mm-hmm. But you know what they don't have? Police with guns. And then you know what a great step would be for us to have police without guns. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing? I think it'd be pretty amazing.
0: All right. Well, you've convinced me. I think we're, we're going to write that op-ed. We're going to get it out into the People world. People are
1: really going to think I'm, you know... You know, going off something, but I, I really don't think it's a crazy thing to say. I don't you know? think it's I radical think at all, actually. At all. No.
0: The fact that we have a class of people who walk around with guns on their hips all the time
1: is, is still kind of blows my mind. I used to work in a school. Yeah. I, watched, I watched the SRO walk around with a pistol next to, you know, six-year-olds that are eating lunch. I worked there almost every day of the week. Did I see anything close to a threat that required a gun of course not of course because not because this is the myth they have to make you believe that you're unsafe in order for them to justify carrying a gun everywhere but it is a very safe place
0: yeah i think uh, i think that's a good place to leave it omar thanks so much for coming in thanks for doing uh this recording with me
1: uh what's the best way for people to find and support your work So, yeah, if you want to support my work or, you know, any of the work that anyone else on Is This For Real is doing, you can just head to our website. It's uh, isthisforreal.ca. It's just how you would spell it normally. Um, Yeah. And then I guess, yeah, you can also follow Progress Alberta. And, you know, you can find us on Patreon, too, if you want to give us some money. Yeah. Is This this For Real
0: is on Patreon. That's the primary way you all get support kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically. Um, So, yeah.
0: All right, Omar, thanks for coming in.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.